0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I bring you greetings on behalf of your brothers and sisters and siblings across the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta. That is the Episcopal Church in Middle and North Georgia. 117. Worshiping congregations distributed through 75 and a half counties. And yet, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Good morning. morning. I'm having a good time up here, I'm telling you. Uh, I had a nine o'clock worship service. It was delightful, it was wonderful. We confirmed however many people, Simon Says, we confirmed. And that was wonderful. And they were young people. And then... The kids got to sort of return. They got to grill me in the fellowship hall for a little while. So, uh, so here we are for the next, the next service. Today's a big deal, not because I'm here, but because we're confirming and receiving. Uh, and what does that mean? No, just teasing. <laughs> the it immediately had a face of panic. Uh, well, well, it means a mature and public affirmation of faith. Did you get it? Mature and public affirmation of faith. Of faith, It it means we're going to do something here in just a little bit. And in fact, we are doing something right now that we can't do on the couch at home. And, And that is we are those of us who are being confirmed and received. We are saying yes again to God. Have I got that right? Of course I have. I guess we're saying yes. We're saying yes. We're saying yes again. We're saying yes today. With all that brought us to today, we're saying yes again. Doesn't mean you have absolute clarity. I don't. If you do, talk to me afterwards. It just means I'm ready to say yes. I'm ready to stumble forward one half step more braver, one half step more clearer today. And so those of you who are coming to be confirmed and received, you are giving us, the rest of us, an occasion to join you and say yes again as well. Because we need to say yes again too. Because life with God is like that. Yes again. Yes today. And in God there is plenteous mercy and grace to find the strength to get upright and try again. So we're going to do that together. And so when these folks come up and I'll lay my hands on them and I'll pray that wonderful prayer, strengthen them, oh Lord, right? Don't you dare sit there and think about brunch. (laughs) Or the falcon, the disrepair that the falcon is in, right? Don't you dare. Uh, We're going to do this together. And so I invite you as well as they come forward to say your own quiet prayer your own silent yes again to God yeah so so we're going to do that and that's exciting and that's wonderful and and we have this wonderful story I love Luke do you like Luke I like Matthew Mark and John just fine but Luke is my favorite because Luke is a southerner Luke tells stories Right. Luke is your old uncle. You know, that uncle, the uncle who can't help himself at Thanksgiving. He's got to tell you that same story that he told you for the last series of years. He's got to tell it to you. Right. And you already know it. you can say it back to him. So Luke is that dude. Right. His encounter with Jesus just got him going. And he has these stories and these stories are so rich. And that's why we should read the Bible is because it's the stories and the life, with the stories just like being in a relationship. And you come at him one way one year and you come at him another way the next decade, and again it's oblique again, and then again, and all of a sudden you're in the story, and you're not in the story, and somebody else is in the story, and God is in the story, and they get deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus tells a story about prayer. And he makes this wonderful connection, and that is prayer has to do with not losing heart. How's your heart? How's your heart today? It's okay to be honest. How's your heart? I mean, did watching the debate make your heart any better? How's your heart? When you watch the news. I don't care whether you take your news in the red or the blue. How's your heart? How about just your address? How's your heart? It's your address. How is it? Yeah, Jesus is concerned about his friends. And he wants to uh, give them a resource. He wants to add value to their life with God. And their life with service. And their life. And he says, don't lose heart by praying he makes that connection don't lose heart by praying now usually in the church when you start talking about praying people slink down in the pews a little bit right because like well I, I sort of pray kind of pray I, mean, I pray I prayed like Atlanta prays you know in traffic right <laughs> Jesus help me and God who the hell is this in front of me and Why the hell did it, you know, that's the way we pray in Atlanta. But this is an invitation to pray. There's no judgment, no condemnation, no shame in the conversation today about prayer. Just a simple invitation. Let's start at the beginning. What does the Episcopal Church believe about prayer? I'm so glad you asked. You asked such good questions. Well, it's in the back of the Book of Common Prayer. Oh, by the way, Book of Common Prayer. You see where the bar is? We think that's awfully important. We even put it on the front of a book that you and I get gathered around the altar of prayer. And so if you go to the back of the book, where the catechism is, you see that prayer get this now is a response to God. You don't initiate anything. It's a response to God either in silence, in words or in actions. You get that? Isn't that wonderful? And so the world already sort of knows this, but the world wants to name it something else. They call it mindfulness. Are you hearing that more and more? Be on the lookout. Mindfulness is great, and I want to know the inner and deeper resources of my mind. I pay people to help me understand what the hell's wrong with me all the time, right? But mindfulness by itself is one bus stop short of our real destination. Mindfulness doesn't take us all the way because I can spend my life getting to know my mind and won't spend any time getting to know the mind of God. Do you see, I want to know what is the mind of God. That's what this assembly is about. We can go to other rooms and just talk about our inner resources of our brain and our gray matter and the limitations, all of that. We can do that and that's another room and God bless you. But this room is about keeping in tension my mind and God's mind. So that I can know what is God's will. And therefore, I can then go out and be God's will in the world. Are you in the right room this morning? That's all I'm asking. I just stop by to ask questions like that. Because if you're in the right room, then oh my God, what a blessing we have. We have this story where Jesus tells us about what is the nature of prayer. And he says that it is asymmetric. Where are my business people at? In other words, there's no one for one ROI. It means you're going to have to pray for a while before you see any results. And it's not because God is forgetful or has amnesia or is slow of hearing, it's because prayer is a crucible for the refinement of our will. Can I take you down the road here for theology's sake? Prayer is the place I go to get the medicine I need, to also get the calibration I need, but it's also to hear the foolishness of how I pray. Are you listening to how you pray? Never ask God to do something you can do for yourself. That's what you learn in prayer. Notice this widow. She has no power in the story. The judge has all the power. She's a widow. She doesn't have a husband, but this lady has her voice. And this lady has agency. Did you get that? I mean, she is self-possessed. She's not asking God to do anything for her that she cannot do for herself. She's not asking the judge to do anything for her that she cannot do for herself. She is taking it upon ourselves to partner with God. That's what we learn in prayer. is how do I co-create reality with God? Yeah. You know who Miroslav Wolf is? Author, sort of popular smart guy. He says... It's hypocritical to pray on Sunday for what you don't create with God on Monday. I think he's on to something. Hard to hear. But in other words, this is not the space where we just sort of leave slips of paper to God and say, there you go. I fulfilled my commitment. No, this is the place where we become our prayers and then we launch them out into the world. This woman is a phenomenal woman. She shows us that prayer is about knocking. It's about knocking. It's about bloodying your knuckles on doors. And that is how God says the nature of prayer is. And we don't like that, but think about the people who launched a stonewall revolt so many years ago. What was their prayer? And now we have marriage equity. They knocked for a long time before that became reality. In the year that I was born, I could not be your bishop. Think about the people who knocked on that door with their words and their silences and their actions, and they created something. Think about that. Right? Here's the invitation for today. We've got to pray prayers that are bigger than ourselves. Right? If you're just praying to God for brunch or a parking space outside the restaurant, good for you. But I think what we're supposed to be doing here is catching a glimpse of what God wants the world to look like and then sounding and risking, sounding ridiculous enough that we give it voice. And then having given it voice, we give it flesh and we give it blood until it becomes reality. Do you know who C.T. Vivian is? C.T. Vivian is one of the great lieutenants of Dr. King who died a couple of years ago. A holy, holy man. And I didn't understand prayer until I met him, and how he put his head uh, in front of the billy club of Jim Clark in Jackson, Mississippi, because he believed in a prayer called democracy. And he believed that the vote belonged to all of us. And so he got up off his knees and put himself in harm's way so that he could create the reality that too many of us take for granted. By the way, early voting in Georgia, tomorrow. I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> so, so it's in prayer also we catch a vision that's larger than ourselves. That's larger than ourselves. And so if we're praying too small, stay, stay tuned to this book. Because this book helps us to imagine a world. Septima Clark, that wonderful uh, womanist uh, who was long before her time, helped us to understand that you and I, because of the grace of God, have been given the gift to imagine a world. And if we want to imagine a world, uh, the kind of world that God wants, it's in harmony with what God wants, you have to go to prayer in that. Go to prayer and see that this reality that God is trying to construct in our midst is far bigger than you you and I can ask or imagine. A seminary professor of mine, a thousand years ago, was in seminary, and I used to sit at the very back uh, like a good Episcopalian. And, uh, you know, we had a friend of mine who was preaching. And he went on this big tirade about prayer. And he said this. He said, uh, where would the nation be? Uh, where would the, uh, the church be? Uh, where would the world be if it depended on the frequency of your prayers? And then everybody in the, in the seminary chapel collectively slunk down about four inches. So, so unfortunately, whenever we get talking about prayer, some people think that that's what this is about. It's about a browbeating. beating. No, it's not about that. It's about the intimacy you say you want with God. And you can do that anywhere. So I challenge you to begin to develop those kinds of practices. You know, we're, we love God a lot and we want to be loved by God a whole lot, but we are afraid to love God too much. And how we begin to mitigate that and work our way through is just to get to know God for ourselves. And it's sad to me as a, as a pastor to hear so many people check out of wanting to have a real prayer life because they think that eloquence matters to God. It doesn't. Not at all. You know one of the best prayers there is? Prayer I pray frequently? Help. Or, wow. Or, now would sure be a good time for you to show up, man. (laughs) But what I love about God, and you get this in the Psalms, is that all God wants from us in that space that we call prayer is authenticity. And here's what we know. You can dress it up in Chanel, and you can dress it up in Gucci, and you can put Brooks Brothers on top of it. And you you can paint on the smile if you want that. But the intimacy and the authenticity you crave that will make you more human is in prayer. You can go to this God and tell this God your real life. And oh, by the way, newsflash, God already knows. What a great grace we have. What kind of God is this that creates space for people like you and I to tell our real life, to cough up the mucus of our real life to this God, so that this God can begin to cobble something together. Arrogance is not praying. We've got a lot of sort of functioning atheists in the church. And we act like this is the self-sufficiency club, the spiritualized self-sufficiency club. This widow knows better. Uh, We have uh, at another congregation, not very far from this congregation, uh, a young lawyer was sitting in the back uh, of the congregation, and somebody was uh, preaching uh, about this and that and the other thing. And this young lawyer who was trying to find his way, In life uh, heard this sermon and somehow uh, in the sermon and then the church praying he heard that God was talking to him that day and he heard that God said to him be a lawyer for me Jonathan and you know what he does now he sues major hotels in Atlanta for their collusion and sexual trafficking. And he has won a number of cases against brands you and I would know very well. And he is rebooting young women and young men's lives with the resources that he wins. Don't tell me prayer don't change things. I want to say a couple more things before I sit down. Sometimes we come in this place and life has beaten the prayer out of us. And so I want to just put you on notice there could be somebody sitting beside you today who can't pray why don't you pray for them why don't you pray out loud there might be somebody who comes across this threshold sits down beside you who can't sing why don't you sing for them I can't stand churches that mumble the hymns (laughs) somebody may need you to sing a song in them so that they can make it through next week And you know what I love about that? It's interdependent because this may be your Sunday to give and their Sunday to take. But guess what? Your Sunday to take is coming, right? And so prayer comes in all kinds of wonderful forms and wonderful fashions. So she knocks on this door and she knocks on the door. By the way, I love this judge, don't you? With all due respect to the lawyers in the room. He doesn't like God and he don't like people. That's my kind of judge, right? I mean, he's a clear-eyed dude. But he makes an important political decision. He says, you know what? I'm going to grant her her request because she's wearing me out. That's the translation. (laughs) She's just wearing me out. Right? That's the asymmetrical nature of the thing. And so who are you in the story? I have been the widow. I've knocked on the door. I got kids. I know how to knock on the door. (laughs) Yeah? I got young adults. I know how to knock on the door. Anybody here been to Stonewall and Judge? I have been. If you're honest, you've been to the Stonewall and Judge. But who is God in this story? And I'll leave you with that. Who is God in this story? I can tell you who God is in this story. God is the widow. And God is knocking on your heart right now. And God is knocking on my heart right now. And what does God want? Well, God just wants you to hear God's one word prayer. And it's in the text. God's one word prayer is what? Justice. Justice. All the praying, all the eloquence, all the mindfulness don't mount to a hill of beans. Unless it translates into you and I putting our bodies on the ground for people who are not having justice. This is what delights God, justice. So today, we offer up ourselves. We say yes again to God, and we join God in God's one-word prayer, justice. Justice in this city. Justice in this state. Justice in this nation. Justice in the world. God is going to keep on knocking on that door until God gets what God wants. I double dog dare you to join God in God's prayers. Amen.